0: Dear Lord, we just come before you today. And Lord, here it is. Uh, Your word, it says, uh, does not go void, return void. And so God, I just pray, Lord, that you would be in this word, that you would be in this place. Lord, that you would be with each and every person. Lord, that you would truly allow us to understand that we can have confidence in you. We can have confidence in your promises, in your protection, that you will be our refuge, that you will watch over us, that you will take care of us. And God, just know know how much we love you how much we thank you lord as always i pray that if there's anything of man that it would fall upon deaf ears but lord if it is of you that truly you would etch it upon our hearts you know how much we thank you we love you and it's in jesus precious name that we pray amen amen so title confession of confidence we are going to be in psalm 91 so, if you would open up in your Bibles, and is there anybody here who does not have a Bible? If you need one, we've got a bunch here in the back. Just go ahead and raise your hand, and one of the uh, ushers will come up and and give you one. Okay, another one up front. So, we're going to be looking at Psalm 91. And here it is. So, first off, you kind of have to sit and think to yourself, well, who wrote the Psalms? Well, the Psalms are kind of a collection, right? Right? Uh, david king david wrote a a majority of them um solomon followed in his father's footsteps and wrote a bunch of the psalms but uh you also had uh, some women like deborah and hannah who wrote a bunch of the psalms um and also you had some of the psalms that were written by moses some of the oldest psalms were written by moses and um i believe that here it is um psalm 90 uh excuse me 91 uh that was another one that was written by moses I'll, i'll touch on that a little bit why i believe that later um but um here it is it's a lot of things he he identifies with some of the plagues that they uh, the israelites went through over in egypt and everything uh but like i said I'll, i'll touch on that a little bit later um however why were the psalms written well they were written as prayers they were written as poems uh they were written as songs and songs that were meant to be sung in the temple. Now. They're not songs that we're used to with a, a rhythm or a rhyme that has to it. Uh, but instead, these were songs that were lifting up worship to God. And, you know, at first you're kind of like, well, that's kind of odd. You know, I mean, how, how would you go about, about, how would you do that? But you know what? In El Salvador, here it was, we'd sing a song like Good, Good Father. But in Spanish, it didn't rhyme at all. Okay, it was completely, <laughs> completely backwards, you know, for, for me to be hearing that. But you know what? There was still that worship there. There was still that raising up God and just singing praises to him. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what language it was in. And that's what the Psalms were all about. Singing, raising up God, lifting them up to him. You know, some of the Psalms were a desperate cry uh, in the middle of despair. Uh, Some of them were ecstatic praise. Some of them just talking about our God being a provider and a comforter. And I, and I love the fact that when here it was, when here it is, a, a, an angel visits Mary and she realizes that, hey, she's going to give birth to the son of God. What is it that she does? Well, she pulls out her phone, she takes a selfie and then goes Facebook live, right? <laughs> Tells everybody about it, right? No, what does she do? She writes a psalm to God. And that's so beautiful. And it's so beautiful. And I wish that was something that we did more, and that we still do today but she sings out the blessings and we have so many blessings to be thankful for. Amen? Yeah. So in Psalm 91, one of the things I like about it also is it it has a messianic thrust to it. It describes the Lord's protection of the coming Jesus. And that's another thing that we can have confidence of. Isn't it amazing? Here it is. The Psalms written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, but yet describes some of the very things that he's going to go through, some of the very challenges that he's going to have and just nails it. And it's beautiful. So primarily, Psalm 91, it's broken up into four parts. And the first part is a confession of confidence in the Lord. The second part is an assurance that we need not fear any evil. The third part is God's promise of protection to Jesus and to each and every one of us. And a description of the Lord's uh, protection of Jesus. So let's delve into God's word. Psalm 91, if you would read along with me. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall, uh, shall abide under the shadow with the Almighty. I just meant me, I didn't mean you know everybody. <laughs> Follow along in your Bibles. But that's praise God. If you want to read with me, go for it. It's just I'm all over the place. I'm from New York and stuff, so it's a terrible <laughs> reading. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flies by the day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. "'A thousand may fall at your side "'and 10,000 at your right hand, "'but it shall not come near you. "'Only with your eyes shall you look "'and see the rewards of the wicked. "'Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, "'even the Most High, your dwelling place, "'no evil shall befall you, "'nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, "'for he shall give his angels charge over you "'to keep you in your ways.' In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot up against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he known has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, it's interesting because it starts off here, right? Um, in verse one, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, when we think of 9 one what do we think of? What's 9-1-1 mean to you? An emergency, right? Yeah. It means somebody who's in need of help. And now, it always cracks me up because our 911 dispatchers, often they'll get a call, right? And they'll say, hey, I, I, just, got a, I just got a text. Somebody text me 911. Is there someone here that needs me? Really, you just called 911 to ask if there was somebody there that needs you. <laughs> okay. Hey, if you get 911 on a text, see who it's from. Okay? But it always cracks me up. There's always somebody who does that, right? Now, what was that person really trying to say with that text or back when we had pages with that page, right? Here it was. They were trying to say that they need help and that it's an emergency. Right? So, here it is. Um, I heard it once said that when you are in a 911 situation, Psalm ninety-one-one is the place that you should be. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Yes. Now, We'd agree that that's the place that we want to be, but where is that place? Because it says here, it says, in the secret place. Now, that jumped out at me. I was like, the secret place. So that begs a question, okay, where is the secret place, right? Well, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible, and go ahead, and if you would, turn with me over to Psalm 27.5. Let's start off there. So that's in your Bible, from where we are, go to your left psalm twenty seven five and twenty seven five says for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me he shall set me high upon a rock okay so his tabernacle his pavilion okay all right now let's go to the right we 're going to go to psalm thirty two seven let's go ahead and read that Psalm 32, 7. And Psalm 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with your songs of deliverance. Selah. Okay. So God is our hiding place. We know that he's talking about his pavilion, his tabernacle. Let's look at one more passage. Go turn with me to 31, uh, Psalms thirty-one twenty. And 3120 says, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. The secret place of your presence. From the plots of men, you shall keep them secretly in the pavilion from strife of tongues. So where is that secret place? It is in the presence of God. In the presence of God. You are my hiding place. You will preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Now, in the, in the brick and mortar word, world that we live in, the physical sense, um, you know, in the, in the I have to touch something world, where is God? Well, he's omnipresent, isn't he? Right? Yeah. So, is God here? Yes. Is God here? Yes. What about the children's cry room? Is God in here? Yes. Right? Yeah, now there's really babies crying back there. He's all over the place. But also we read in Revelations that here it is. He's sitting on the throne. Right? It talks about him being on the throne room or the great white throne. Here it is, our Lord sits. So, we know that God is omnipresent. We know that He's everywhere. We know that God is up in heaven and that He sits on the throne. So, where's heaven? It's a secret. Shh. <laughs> now, we don't know where heaven is, right? But when we get there, we will. Won't we? It won't be a secret anymore. And, We will be in the presence of our Lord. And that's where we need to be. That's the secret place. The presence of our Lord. Now, also notice it says, not just the presence, but it says, He who dwells. He who dwells. Right? It's not just enough to be in the presence of the Lord, but we have to dwell there. We have to stay there. We have to be there so that He can be our fortress and our protector. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now, the fowler... That's the one who or the one who would go out and would catch birds. And what they would do is they would go ahead and they would set up these little traps all over the place in order to snare the birds, in order to uh, catch them that way. See, you couldn't just grab your shotgun and trusty old blue, okay, and wrangle up some birds for dinner tonight, right? No. So you had to set up these little snares. Well, in here specifically, you see the fowler is the devil. And what he's doing is constantly setting up traps for us to fall into. But if we dwell with our Lord, he is good to keep us safe. God also gives us protection for us, doesn't he? Yeah, right? What does it say there at the end of verse four? His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now, where have I heard this before? I know I've heard this someplace before. A Shield, a shield, ah, Ephesians, right? The armor of God. Talks all about that, right? Let's go ahead and turn to that. Turn to Ephesians six. In uh, Ephesians six, and we're going to start in chapter. Excuse me, uh, verse fourteen. Ephesians six, fourteen. And in Ephesians six, fourteen, it says, "Stand therefore." having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay, now, wait a second, wait a minute. Here it was, God said to gird your waist with truth and to take the shield of faith. Is this a contradiction in God's word? Because here it was in the Psalms. We just read that it was the what? Belt of truth, right? Now, remember, here it is. Paul is talking about like, a, like a, a Roman, okay? A Roman soldier as he's going into battle. And what they would do is they would put on this belt, okay? And what was the belt's purpose? What was, what was the reason for having this belt on? It was to offer protection. It was to offer protection against a slash of a sword that came in. And, I know, it's not very much protection, is it? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, but here it was. It was to offer protection. What does a shield do? A shield offers protection as well. Now, here it is. Now, if these didn't work, do you think the Roman soldiers would be wearing them? Because, you know, I know personally, when I put on my TAC vest, right, here it is. I've got, you know, bulletproof v- uh, 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 panels on the front and the back. I've got my, uh, my IFAC, my personal individual first aid kit, right? I've got extra magazines all over the place. Hey, that's about an extra 30 pounds that I have, uh, that I'm carrying on me every time that I go to make entry, right? Well, with that, if there's something that I really don't need, do you think I want to be wearing it? No. And the other thing is I have to have trust. I have to have faith in the equipment that I'm carrying, right? Yeah. Otherwise, why put it on, right? They just go and go blind. And you see, so right here, here, it, when we talk about a shield of faith, now that shield, we have to have the truth and knowing that it's going to work for us when we take it into battle. Now, do you believe or have faith just for faith's sake? Well, there's some that do. I mean, the gospel is simple enough so that we can all have faith that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But the beautiful part of God's word is that it is truth. Amen? Amen. So if we have faith that is backed up by his truth time and time and time again, that word of his truth, then when we're having that shield of faith and that shield of truth, then both are true, is it not? And they'll protect us from the fowler. Verse 5, you shall not be afraid by the terror of night, nor the arrows that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noon. Now, here what you have is an interplay of words uh, for night and day in the verses that indicate God's universal nature. And with that, uh, his protection as well. Um, You also have terror, arrows, pestilence, destruction, destruction. Altogether, basically referring to evil in general. Verse 7, A 1,000 may fall by your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. You see, this section right here, this is where I believe that it was Moses that was writing this song. You see, or at least somebody who understood the, his experiences um, and, uh, and, uh, and dangers that he went through, right? Um, now, the Egyptians suffered a major consequence, didn't they, for not following the Lord? But let me ask you this. In Exodus, when we read about the Israelites, how many of them died? See, we don't learn of any of them. Why? Because they were in the ways of the Lord. They followed their ways. They were obedient to the commandments of the Lord. Moses told them to go ahead and put the blood on the doorposts and they obeyed. They were obedient. See, it's not just being in his presence, but it's also being in, obedient to his word. And it always amazes me because we try to do things our own way, and then when we do, it doesn't work out. And we go, oh, that was weird. I wonder why that didn't work out, you know? I mean, okay, God, I'm only going to get drunk this one last time. That's it. I promise. And you end up in the back of a patrol car, right, sitting in jail and waking up the next morning with a hangover going, God, why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you keep me in all of the, all of the Lord. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that person was dwelling with him? Was God their refuge? See, my 18-year-old son, he just moved out of the house on Monday. <laughs> now, I have to admit, my wife had a little bit more difficult time with him moving out and everything. And, and, and I had to remind her, I'm, I'm like, honey, when did you move out? Well, about a month after I turned 18, me, (laughs) I 19 days after I graduated, I was in the military. I celebrated my 18th birthday, okay, in basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. So you know what? She went ahead. She made peace with it and, you know, and it was a good thing. But you see, here it is. He's no longer dwelling with us, right? Now, let's say that here it was. Somebody were to break in to my house. Okay? Well, guess what? My family would be under my protection. You see, we protect our home in a very biblical sense by the book of Numbers. Uh 357, 556, 40 caliber. Uh, but you see, my son my son doesn't live with us anymore. So he no longer has the protection of the martial artist. Police officer, fifteen year old army veteran who um, who no longer lives with him can't protect him from evil. But you see, our heavenly father can. And that's the beautiful thing of that. Verse eleven. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, and you shall trample them underfoot. Okay, now does, does this sound familiar? Does this ring any bells with anybody? It's the scripture that Satan uses to tempt Jesus when he's out in the wilderness for 40 days. This is what he uses. He uses a specific, a specific scripture now i don't know about you but that kind of scares me a little bit right because here it is if satan knows scripture then and he can even try using that and combating that against uh against our lord right oh yeah how much more of a a deceiver can he be with us you know and unfortunately i hear that i hear that time and time again oh yeah god told me to get this divorce i don't think that was from god (laughs) okay and again i'm not Condemning anybody if you've gone through a divorce or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, I hear that so many times, so many times, right? But now the amazing thing about this was while we were in El Salvador, here it was, Tanner had asked me, he did a message on a a devotion on Monday night and he asked me to do one on Tuesday night. Do you know what my devotion was on? The temptations of Christ. That specific passage in Matthew It was this scripture. So Pastor John goes ahead and says, Oh, I love Psalm 91. Yeah, Psalm 911. That's my refuge. And I'm like thinking, Well, hey, I'm a cop. I need to reread that. I need to be familiar with that. That sounds like that should be my passage too, right? So I go ahead and I start reading it. And what? Boom. There it is, right? It's the same scripture that I just went over teaching. Isn't God good? Isn't he God good? And then, You see, that's why I wanted to bring this to you. Why I believe he placed it upon my heart. Because in Tanner's message on Monday, he asked us two questions. Number one, he said, what has God revealed to you about himself Okay, um, during this missions trip? And the second question was, what has God shown you about yourself, about God? So now, (laughs) I have to be honest with you. Before I went on this missions trip, first off, never been on a mission trip before, okay? Well let me rephrase that. I've been on lots of missions before, but it was always to go out and kill the enemy, not to go and try to save them, okay? <laughs> but with this missions trip, I'm like, I'm like, wow. I go, you know, God, how are you gonna use me? I mean, I don't even speak their language. How can how can I tell them about the gospel? How can I use it? You know, and I just I was just like, you know. And, and they talked about, we had these meetings that we went to in preparing us for the missions trip. And they said, you know, you're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. The weather is a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, well, God, you put me in the army. I was in 129 degree weather out in the desert. I was on below zero degrees up and out in Korea. So God used that experience. And they told us, they said, hey, look, you know, um, you're, you're going to be, uh, it's kind of dangerous over there so so i'm like okay so where is this big revelation for me what's this going to do now first off i was put back in place because i was talking with pastor luke and he goes oh, look i understand you're such a spiritual giant that there's no way that god's going to be able to bless you on this trip <laughs> right so oh yeah you're right you're right yeah i guess he can still use a knucklehead like me right but here it was like i said um God went ahead, he used me or prepared me in all of my ways to be used for this missions trip. You see, um, I was used to being placed in harsh situations, to say it mildly, in the military. He allowed me to, actually his protection was just over me again and again and again. So many times that I I feel like I shouldn't be standing in front of you right now. I I really shouldn't be here anymore. Um, but yet he protected me again and again. And part of that, I believe is just, he's got a whole heck of a lot more work for me to do. (laughs) It's as simple as that, right? But what else did he allow me to do? He allowed me to become a police officer. And as such, I was responsible for tending to taking care of people, putting other people's needs before self. I was in charge of taking care of people to being vigilant, watching out for evil and everything. He allowed me to become a pastor so that I could minister to my family, so that I could minister to the flock here at CCRS. He allowed me to do all of those things. And when it came to the missions trip, what did I do? He kept me in my ways. He used me to watch over and protect the flock. He used me to minister to them, to give the devotion on Tuesday night. He used me, okay, and prepared me for those very moments. And what did he do? He kept me in all of my ways. Now, look at that scripture. Look at that scripture in Matthew. Let's let's turn to that one more time. Matthew 4, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Matthew 4, verses 5 and 6. So the temptations of Christ or or more specifically in a better translation is a testing, a testing of Christ because can God really be tempted? No, but a testing. So verse four, it says, but he answered and said, um, well, hang on, hang on, back this up, back this up. What did I say? Uh, five. Okay. Verse five. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Do you see what he left out? Keeping us in all of our ways. And that's what the enemy will do. They'll get in there, and they'll just tweak things a little bit. I mean, is there is there anybody here who went ahead and said, you, "You know what, God? I want to be face down in a gutter, lying there, throwing my my, my face up, uh, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. That's what I'd like." No, right? We we don't say that. That's not what we want. But instead, oh, we got all the Budweiser commercials and you know, and alcohol. Oh, it's glorious. You have a great time. Woo Right? Yeah, yeah. But instead, it's just a little bit, little bit, right? Always, always. Fun in their sin, yes, but that's what God taught me was to keep me in my ways, to keep me in my ways, and I pray that He would do the same for you. Use your gifts and talents, and keep you in your ways. Verse fourteen: Because He has set His love upon me, therefore I will deliver Him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now we're going to kind of wrap things up with a little love. And you see the verb that's used here when he says because he has set his love upon me, you see, it's, it's the Hebrew word that they don't normally use for love. And the idea behind it is to hold close or even hug tightly in. And the psalmist here says, because he has known my name, when he speaks of that, it's an intimate experiential knowledge of the Father. If you would turn with me one last time to John Chapter 1, verse 18. John 1:18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. That is an intimate love the bosom of the father. I love that. You know, right now, my youngest son, Andrew, he is the perfect height. Why? Because he comes right up to here on me. And when I hug him, I wrap my arms around him, hold his head just like this, hold him tight to my bosom, I can take my chin and rest that on his, on his head. And there is an intimacy there between father and son that you can't get anywhere. And we can have that intimacy with our Heavenly Father as well. If we dwell with Him, if we keep in His ways, it's there for you and for I. All we have to do is stay and keep in our ways. So today, I would challenge you. I would challenge you. Dwell with our Heavenly Father. Be in His Word. First thing in the morning when you wake up, Break open his word. Get that intimacy with the Father. Start your day off right. Pray without ceasing. Anytime you get the opportunity, pray. Whether that's for maybe a fellow member, of the uh, Christian family here, or maybe it's a complete stranger. But it says pray without ceasing. Pray. And have a confession of confidence. Confession of confidence in our Lord. Because he's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of all of our problems. He's going to protect us if we will just stay in our ways. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, God, that's what we want today. We want to be kept in your ways. Lord, we want to Wake us up, stir us, stir our hearts first thing in the morning so that we can get to know you better. Lord, I pray that you would be our protector. Lord, that you would keep us against, uh, away from the snares of the fowler, that we would not fall into those temptations, but instead the tests, the trials, Lord, instead it would be something that we would come through on the other side and give you all the glory. So God, I pray, precious Heavenly Father, be with each and every person here today. Lord, and as we go out, again, let it not be something that we keep inside of us, but instead, let us profess it to the world. Let us express our confidence in you. God, because you loved us first. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And it is in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.